again. It's a great blessing to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ. Today I am going to minister about the uh, surpassing rulership and power that Jesus Christ has, wherein He rules over everything. And that simply means and concludes that what God has promised you cannot be taken away from you by anything or anyone. And that what He has promised you, you will have. That is what this message is going to be all about. Now I'm going to start off by reading from Ephesians. And it's going to be Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. And I'm going to read one verse in the NIV and then one verse in the, um, in the Resurrection Bible. Again, for those of you that have uh, slotted in late, the Resurrection Bible is just a simple paraphrase. Uh, don't say that is exactly what the Greek says or uh, even if it's contextually 100%. I just paraphrased it the way I understood that passage. And it is all in the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I just want to say something quickly. Uh, as pertaining to the resurrection, why is the resurrection so important? And, uh, you know, I've, I just feel that I cannot stop to speak about it. Why is the resurrection so important? Why is it such a big part of the message that I bring? Now, uh, first of all, the reason why I put such a focus on the resurrection is simply and honestly because that is what I see the Apostle Paul does and what I see God did in Jesus. It was about bringing forth a man that could conquer death and give life and immortality unto man. Now a person might say, but why is that important at all? Now I want to explain it this way. If you have a light bulb uh, and you have electricity, you would know that that light bulb only truly comes alive once there is electricity flowing through that light bulb. Then you find light, the light of that bulb. Now I think we can liken the light of a light bulb to the life of a person. The moment you take a light bulb uh, and that little um, resistor that it's got in there, Wolfram, I don't know what the, the uh, English word for that would be, and you put electricity through it, it brings forth a light. And we find that that bulb is shining. It has come alive. It became a living bulb, if you want to call it like that. And that living bulb, that light, consists out of two things. It consists out of uh, the light bulb itself, the physical light bulb, which would now uh, represent the physical body, and then life flowing through that body. Should that bulb break... In order for the light to be restored, the bulb would have to be recreated, and so the light can be preserved. And I think that is more or less the way, the logic that God uh, has in his mind when it comes to a human being and saving a human being. Paul goes as far as to say that sin is in the flesh and that he needs a recreation of his physical body by Jesus in order or by God in order for him to have a holy life because of that truth we can today say we are not saved by the law we are not saved by the works of the law but God loves us and he preserves us and he saves us it is his doing and when we also look at salvation in the way that we look at this light bulb. If you take a light bulb and you drop it and it falls on the ground and you find the, th that light bulb is shattered, you know that you can never put it together again. It's almost like Humpty Dumpty. If it, it fell, uh, 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 all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. In the, it's the same with us. We find that our inability is greater than our ability to put our lives together. We cannot put our lives together. But God has come, and the Bible says, and this is a scripture that we're still going to get to, that in Him, in Jesus, consists all things. I think the NIV says, in Him all things come together. So, when we look at the, at the scriptures, 
from the perspective of the resurrection, we will always be confronted with the fact that we cannot be saved by our own works. We will always be confronted and reminded that no authority on this earth can offer salvation in any form or fashion. We will know if we have our eyes on the resurrection of Jesus that political parties cannot save us. And we will, I mean, submit to government and all those kind of things, but we will ask the question, can a political party or can a police force or can the uh, 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 medicine or whatever offer eternal life? And if they cannot, then we will treat it accordingly. Doesn't mean that we will disrespect it or hate it or anything, but we will not treat it in a way where it overtake our lives. We will rest in the finished work of Jesus. Okay, right, into the scriptures. I'm going to first read from the NIV. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, Paul is basically praying. He's saying, listen, whenever I heard of you people in Ephesus uh, believing upon Jesus and I'm seeing some fruit in your life. That is what he's saying. I paraphrase it this way, it says, My communication with God continually erupts in praise after I heard of your love explosion for His people on account of believing and seeing what God sees. You see people, when we read this, we say, and, and we just read the normal verse, it says, For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, what Paul is basically saying is, the moment you believed in Jesus, there was a fruit in your life. It was an explosion on account of Christ, not on account of our own works or because we have now become Christians. Because I'm a Christian, now I must obey and now I must love my neighbor. No. This is why I translated this way or paraphrased this way. My communication with God continually erupts in praise. In other words, Paul gives praise to God when he sees what's going on in the lives of the people in Ephesus. Putting the focus on, it is God doing something in the lives of people. It is not people trying to do the right thing. It's something that is born from God, where God is the source, where His authority and His rule brings forth life in us. Okay, goes on and I read it again. It says here, I, you know, his, his life erupts into praise. After I've heard of your love explosion for his people on account of believing and seeing what God sees. Every time I talk to him, I cannot but praise God for his life manifesting in you. I'm overwhelmed by the good report of you sharing in his life. Can you see that the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this, and if you look at all of Ephesians, if you look at the resurrection, if you look at uh, John, where John says our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, what he's basically saying is we are fellowshipping in His life and His life in us is bringing forth fruit. And Paul was basically saying, I am so excited to see the fruit of God in you on account of him. I cannot bring but bring praise to God. The focus is Jesus and what Jesus brings forth in us. Verse 17, and let's first read it in the normal NIV. It says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Paraphrased. From verse 17. As I pray, I find myself thanking and asking God, and then I put in brackets here, the one who manifests his quality of life in us by his doing. 
to cause you to know and understand things from the perspective of all that he has done for you. So he says, listen, I can already see God bringing forth fruit, but now he's, and he's also understanding that it is not inside human ability to, uh, to have wisdom in all these things. It is for God to bring it forth. Now, some people might say, well, if God wants to bring certain things forth in me, well, he can do whatever he wants. He must make me understand something. What I find is that the, script, the, the, the Bible's context is that God brings forth understanding in those who want to understand. And this is what Paul is basically saying here. These people want God and they grab the hold of God. And as they grab the hold of God by simply believing and God bringing forth fruit in them, I am now desiring that the almighty God will bring forth greater understanding and i want to encourage you church with this message wherever you are you might be going through a difficult time you might have sickness in your body you might have stress of some form or fashion you might have children that are rebellious you might have lost your job going through very very difficult times and in these difficult times you might say maybe i don't understand something maybe there's something that i'm lacking something that i need something that is out of order i want to say this to you even here, we find that understanding is something that Paul asks God to bring forth in people's lives. And he knows it is through the influential power of God. He is, he is, it's not as if he is begging God to do it for them. It is basically his heart has got this confident expectation that God will bring forth this understanding. And I want to say to you, and I've, I do it on a regular basis, even when I prepare my messages during the week, I say this, I say, God, I just want to say, I'm open for you to bring me your understanding on certain topics. It's sometimes a scary thing to, um, to pray because it means that you are open, that if your understanding is not in line with how God understands things, that you're open for change. And I want to tell you, the moment that sincerity is there, and you say, God, I truly want to understand the way you th understand things, you're going to start to see things differently. Should it be that your understanding is maybe wrong in a certain area. I look at my own life and how uh, I believe God has put the focus on what God has done in Jesus and how he's come to heal our flesh how the resurrection was needed, and how understanding uh, changed. Let's read on. <clears throat> Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Verse 18, as you start to see everything from the foundation of who God is and what he originally planned and achieved in Jesus, you will conclude that God inherited you as much as what you inherited him. As much as eternal life is his, it is yours. He has raised you, excuse me, he was raised and so will you be. We cannot but expect the fullness of what Jesus is today to manifest in our lives. We can see that the church here in Ephesus, they believed in Jesus. They believed that he was raised. They, they, that, that's what they believed. They believed Jesus was raised. And then they said, well, he was truly raised. He must be the one that God has given. But they still didn't understand what God was promising in Jesus. They didn't understand the mechanics on how it worked. And this was Paul's desire. Paul's desire was that, yes, you believe it. Yes, you now see fruit of love in people. But I want you to know how these things work, why it works this way, and what you can expect in the future. As you start to see everything from the foundation of who God is and what he originally planned, we have preached on that for many Sundays, the original plan, the word that was from the beginning. We will still touch on that tonight, as, oh, today as well. Um, 
I think I say tonight because it's so dark in the studio. <laughs> Everything is dark. Okay, right. Um, it says, <clears throat> as you start to see everything from the foundation of who God is and what he originally planned and achieved in Jesus, you will conclude that God inherited you as much as what you inherited him. The conclusion we come to is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that is the foundation and the fountain from where we drink and the foundation on which we stand. The union between God and man. He inherited us and we inherited him. And this, this verse, if we look at verse 18 here, it says... Um, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The riches of his glorious inheritance. What Jesus inherited amongst these people. Now what did Jesus Christ inherit? He inherited a name that is above every name. What is that name? Son. A manifested son of God. That is the name that he inherited. That is what he inherited. When he was raised from the dead, he received his inheritance, which was the fullness of the Godhead in a bodily form. He inherited, Jesus inherited humanity, human flesh, and humans inherited God. That's why he said unto Abraham, Abraham, I want to tell you, don't be afraid. I am your exceeding great reward. Isn't that absolutely powerful? As you start to see everything from this foundation of who God is and what he originally planned and achieved in Jesus, you will conclude that God inherited you as much as what you inherited him. As much as eternal life is his, it is yours. And as much as what death was yours, it was his. Isn't that good news? Glory to God, man. We cannot but Expect the fullness of what Jesus is today to manifest in our lives. It's, can you, it is just a God thing. It is not what I do. It's not by my works. It is by Him. Verse 19. I'm going to go to verse 19 quickly here in the um, NIV. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Every believer of, the truth, of this truth in Christ will discover the greatness of the power of God as God manifests the life he made available for them in them as they believe. This is Paul's prayer. And this is what I find. That every believer of the truth. That Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That he conquered death. That he conquered sin. And that we are now uh, joined in with him. That we are the co-sharers of his life. Every believer of this truth. Will discover the greatness of the power of God as God manifests the life he made available for them in them as they believe. As God manifests, as God manifests the power in them, the, 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 the life that he has for them as God manifests it in them. You know, I've listened to a person that has, um, I, uh, somebody shared a message. And this lady talked about grace. And she said, listen, she doesn't want to hear about this grace, grace, grace message. Because this grace, grace, grace message is just basically a license to sin. And she says, and then people come with the argument that say, well, every sin is just the same. 
And she, then she says, every sin is not the same. There are certain things that we go and do willfully, and other things are not willfully. And the willful sin, which you now decide, and I think the context where she was talking about, was if you go and cheat on uh, your husband or wife, how can that sin be the same, and this is what she said, as what you drove in a, drive your car in the, on the uh, freeway and a, ta a taxi cuts you off and you uh, put your hand out of the window and show him which side, is hev which side heaven is. And then when you overtake him and he uh, hits the, um, the he, he like shows something back or whatever to you, then you show him there's a place for your mother too. She said, that is not the same sin as what, I mean, just quickly losing your temper in traffic is not the same as what it is when you go and cheat on somebody. Now, I do believe the consequences can be absolutely different than when you cheat on somebody and when you lose your temper in traffic. But at the end of the day, when we look at the gospel, the gospel is not about what we can manifest by our own power, what is great sin and what is small sin. The gospel is the good news of God bringing forth His rich inheritance and what we have inherited. He bringing forth what we have inherited in us. Let me read verse 19 again. Every believer of the truth in Christ. Our co-resurrection with Jesus. Will discover the greatness of the power of God. As God manifests the life he made available for us. In us. As we rest our minds in his integrity or believe upon him. Verse 21. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power we talk about. You know, willpower cannot be compared with the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Willpower, our willpower is still subject to death. When you have died, you don't have willpower anymore. The scripture says, Serve the Lord while you are young, before the days come where you say, I have no desire to do so anymore. I can see this in my very own life. When I was uh, 22 years old, 23 years old, I would get in a car. I remember getting in a car in the, somewhere in Malawi, driving 2,000 kilometers Non-stop. Going through two or three border controls. That is like, you're talking about 30-something hours driving, not sleeping. To preach the gospel. But I tell you now, <laughs> now I get up and uh, the sun must already be up before I start to drive. And before the sun set, I've already booked into the place where I'm going to stay. And then I don't want to stay in a little two-man tent, you know, under a tree. It is just the way it is. And the point why, the reason why I'm saying this is that willpower can never be the force by which we have the life of God. Never. That's why Paul comes and he says, the power that raised Christ from the dead is the power we talk about. There is no name, neither thing, that he does not have the rule over. He is greater than all things. He's greater than willpower. I just want to read verse 19 again here. Every believer of this truth in Christ will discover the greatness of the power of God as God manifests life. The life he made available for us, in us, as we believe. So I want to say to you, the life that God has for you is by him, through him, in you, as you rest your mind in his integrity. I find that as I believe, uh, I don't want to say believe for this life, believe in the truth. There's an expectation for this life. And my prayer is as what Paul's prayer is, and I think you will find the same in your life, is where you will say, God, 
this life that Jesus has. So what I, I believe he was raised and I'm available for your quality of life. A life that's not born from willpower, but a life that is born from the power of the resurrection, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. The power whereby God brings forth life in us. Verse 20 and 21. It reads the following. Let me just read it in the um, uh, NIV. It says, here, I'm going to read from verse 19, middle 19. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Isn't that absolutely powerful? Can you see that the power of the resurrection... The power whereby God recreated human flesh into undying, sinless, ever-living, able to give expression to the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. That power is the power whereby we share in God's quality of life. That is above Every name that could ever be named, above every authority that there could ever be, above Moses. He, this is what he had in mind here. Paul had mainly in mind the order of the law. The Levitical priesthood, the powers of the law, the, the, the authority whereby the law was there. And he also had in mind these so-called gods of the Ephesians and magistrates and governments and all those kind of things. What he was saying is that the power of God, whereby he raised Jesus from the dead, can assure you of peace a billion times more than what any government can ever assure you of. That is what he was saying. And this is something practical that we can grab a hold of today. So we can ask ourselves this question. If we look at our country, if we look at things around us, and we look at Jesus and the authority whereby the life of God comes forth in us, we can say it this way, that there is therefore nothing that can separate me from the love of God. That's the conclusion Paul came to. The reason why Paul came to the conclusion that there's nothing that can separate him from the love of God is because he believed that the authority whereby he will have and share and was sharing in the love of God at that time, which was the fruit of the Spirit, was of a higher authority than anything in this world. And that's why he was even bold and happy in difficult times. Because he said, I can even see in difficult times God bringing forth fruit in me. And this is the power of the resurrection. As God, even in difficult times, bring forth fruit in me through his son, it is the assurance that I shall partake in the resurrection. Hallelujah. That is what he's saying. Let's read it um, in the Resurrection Bible. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power we talk about. There is no name, neither thing that he does not have the rule over, be it in this life or in the one to come. What this means is that nothing can keep you away from having what he intended for you. He had always been and will remain the final word on your life. Isn't that absolute good news, man? <laughs> what this means is that nothing, because we so many times say, well, his name is above every name. Hallelujah, glory to God. And we just, in a religious fashion, just praise the Lord. And I don't want to belittle that praise because our inner being, the inner man, the fiber of our being, when we hear that there's no name higher than the name of Jesus, reacts to that. 
Maybe our mind is unfruitful in understanding what it means, but we can feel the power of it. I've seen it many times. You can go to uh, any place and where they sing about the resurrection of Jesus. And as they, they would say, sing a song, and then when it, the song comes, the part of the resurrection, you'll find everybody shout. Although they might not, might not even understand the resurrection, the resurrection at all. Some of those people might, not, might even believe that the resurrection is where your spirit goes when it dies. Doesn't believe in the restoration of the human body and the recreation of the very same body that died. Maybe don't even believe that, but you find a response. That response is because of the eternal word of God. The inner yes that there is inside people. Where they they already praising and they are happy. And then you will find a prayer coming from your heart when you look at them and you will say, I, My prayer for you is that you may understand the hope of your calling. Like Paul was basically saying here. Let's read it again. This name of Jesus that is above any other name. And the fact that he is above all authority means the following. What this means. This is how I paraphrased it. Because when we read it there, we don't know what it means. Paul wrote above every name and authority. And the people that read it back then knew what it meant. They had an understanding. But sometimes we miss out on it. So I just added this piece in here to explain what he's trying to say. What this means is that, is that nothing can keep you away from having what he intended for you. He had always been and will remain the final word on your life. Let me put it this way. He is above all things and no one has the say over him. He is above all things and no one can correct him. No one can change his mind. No one can suppress his authority. No one. God has come in Christ, church. And he has come and he's, he's granted us joy. He's granted us life based on the life he has through one man, Jesus, whom he appointed above all authority and all rule. So that means that that which God wants for you will not be removed from you as you rest in him. Let me put it this way. He's above all things. And no one has the say over him. Since you are his body, you shall not be shaped by the world, but the world shall be shaped by him in you. As you are glorified, made immortal by him, all things will be co-glorified, made immortal. This is his will, and it is all by his doing. Glory to God, man. <laughs> this is the absolute good, good news. This is the absolute good news. There is nothing above the name of Jesus. There is nothing that has the right to take away the smile from your face. There's nothing. As we have knowledge of this truth and rest our hearts in this truth, we find the joy that comes from this truth. And it's so easy sometimes in this world to, and I said this this morning to Helena, we, we woke up and um, we, I was just, we were just sitting there listening to a worship song in bed, drinking a cup of coffee. And I said to you, you know, sometimes that this is just how this world is. It's as if, as we have to live in this world, you have to go to the shop, you have to go and buy, uh, buy something there. You, you have to deal with the traffic, you have to deal with a tax man, you have to deal with um, losing your job maybe sometimes, you have to deal with... Uh, COVID, you have to deal with so many things. And as you deal with these things and you are bombarded with these things, it's as if your mind forgets 
the truth. And is as if we then willfully go and as we think of these things, have our lives shaped by elementary truths and not the greater truth, which is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And as we then gather in a meeting like this, we are reminded of the good news of Jesus. I want to say to you, um, and, and I do it with Elena and I, we, I mean, we are just normal people living here in the house. And sometimes we can be here and we can get upset about something that's going on here or there or whatever. And we can say that's not right and so forth. But what we do is we always remind ourselves of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because that is what the Holy Spirit does in all of us. You can be going through a difficult time. You can be saying, yes, but they did this in government. Yes, but that law I don't agree with. Yes, but this is oppression. Yes, but this. Yes, but that. But you will find that the Spirit of God will remind you in your inner man. Right there, you'll hear the reminding of what you have freely received in Christ. And as you are with like-minded people, just Say to the person, listen, but let us just, I just hear this in my heart. This is the truth. Our lives belong to God. There's no authority above his authority. Yes, we've just, we've just heard they want to do this or they want to do that or whatever it is. But nothing is greater. Nothing is greater. It's not worth the while to have our minds shaped by something that is passing away anyway. You that have believed upon Jesus, you're going to be a partaker of the resurrection life anyway. You're going to be raised from the dead anyway. As that is already true in your life, let us not neglect being mindful of these things. The, the, the scripture says in, in, in Hebrews, let us not neglect the gathering of the brethren. Because in the gathering of the brethren, there was a reminder of what Christ has freely given us. All authority has been given unto him. You're going to have what he has promised anyway. So let us be mindful of that now. <laughs> Glory to God and have our lives shaped by it now. Amen. Listen to uh, Colossians 1.15. Man, I, before I go there, I just want to read this uh, from the resurrection translation again. This is Ephesians. I have not paraphrased um, Colossians. I was thinking maybe that must be the next one that I'm doing. But I want to tell you to do it is very challenging. Um, very difficult sometimes. Because it takes a lot of... Uh, it, it's like unless God reveals to you what Paul meant in that context and all those kind of things. You can be... Uh, three quarters through with it and then get stuck on one verse and can take you one year to understand that thing. Um, but let us do uh, Ephesians here. It says, let me put, put it this way. He is above all things. I want to tell you, the very thing that you think can separate you from God, the very thing that upsets you, He is above that. And He has... Uh, and no one has the say over him. No one has the say over him. Since you are his body, you shall not be shaped by the world, but the world shall be shaped by him in you. In Christianity, so many times we hear this message, we are the body of Christ and we need to change the world. We need to shape the world. No, I purposefully paraphrase it this way, to get that legalistic mindset out. The scripture I believe, teach us in its greater context, not that we will change the world, but that the world will be changed by Christ. And that Christ is in us. It's not our work. As you are glorified and made immortal in Him, all things will be co-glorified, made immortal. This is His will and it is His doing. Colossians 1.15 the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, what does that mean? The Son, who is the Son? Church, we've preached about this many times. The Son, according to Acts 13, 
verse 33 onwards, is the man Jesus that was bodily raised from the dead. He is the firstborn over all creation, meaning he was the firstborn from the dead, and he is appointed now over all of physical creation. And this is why Paul, when he was saying, I find uh, when I want to obey the Ten Commandments, the law, I find another law, not the Ten Commandments, another law in my members, meaning in my body. And then he concludes and he says, who will save me or who will deliver me from a body that is busy dying? And then Paul said, According to what is here in, in, in Colossians, the same reasoning is in uh, Romans. He's basically saying that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead and he is over all of creation. Do you know you don't sin because you're bad? Sometimes we think we sin because we're just bad. No, the problem is that we mortal. Mortal people do such things. And we need to be saved from mortality. That is it. Uh, and I'm say, I must say, even if this goes out on YouTube later on, some might say, Bertie, you know, ach, you see. You know, you're getting weird, man. W what is this? Well, I don't know what to say because this is, what, this is what Paul preached. And this is the very problem that was addressed by Jesus. And you might say, Bertie, that is not what Jesus addressed. Then I will say, I will take you to the empty grave and I will say to you, explain to me. I ask you, I beg you, explain to me why a physical birth from Mary? Why a death? Why a physical grave? Why empty, em emptying out the physical grave? Why pouring out the spirit on flesh and promising eternal life? Why all of that as part of the salvation plan? This is the salvation plan, church. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. If you want to see the invisible God, if you want to know what image there means, image there is in the Old Testament, they had uh, these uh, um, temples, and then in the temple they would have an image of the God. That image of the God was then seen as the presence of the God in that physical piece of wood or stone or golden thing that they have made. That was image. An Afrikaans, afgod, an image, an idol. Jesus is the image of God. And what these people would have understood when they heard this um, is that he is the very a manifestation of God in the flesh. That is what it is. And he is the firstborn, or he is first born from the dead and over all of creation. He was using a temple narrative here that the people in Ephesus would also have understood because they had temples and they had idols and they had images in those idols and then uh, images in those temples. And now he comes here and he says, the son, the physical man that was raised from the dead, he is the image of God. And he has been placed in the temple in this earth. And the earth has become God's sacred space. Glory to God. And he is the one that has the rule over everything. And then he goes on and says, For in him all things were created. For in him all things were created. What it basically means, you wanna, if I had to paraphrase that, it means that everything in its creation should be interpreted and understood by him and through him. That's how we should look at everything. Things in heaven or things on earth, visible or invisible, whether they are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Who's the him? The resurrected physical man from the dead who is the image of God. So all authority, all power, and he's not talking about demons. God didn't make demons for Jesus. Some people say oh, even the demons were made for Jesus. Rubbish. 
That is not true. That is not the context. I believe the context here that Paul is talking about is people that are in Colossae, that are uh, Christians, that can be tempted to go back to Judaism. They might think that Moses was of higher authority, uh, Elijah's prophecies must have been of higher authority, and all those kind of things, like in Hebrews. But what Paul is saying is that all these authorities, all these dominions, all these powers, everything that was created from, well, that was brought forth in the Old Testament, was unto one thing only. They were only brought forth for Jesus to be raised from the dead, to be the source of your life. And to him belongs all power. To him belongs all authority. And we as the church, this is the authority whereby we have our lives. It says here, he is before all things. I'm running out of time. And next week we'll continue with this from John. It says, he is he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. I want to end off with that. Oh, there's so much to say about this. In everything, Jesus has the supremacy. He is above all things. And let us walk in that reality. Let us walk in that reality when it comes to ourselves. Let us walk to that in that reality in the church. And I want to just mention this as we're closing off. As I look, um, I mean, our, a, a large part of the church is on Facebook. It's people like you that sit at their homes and they watch the messages every Sunday. And I can see how these people interact with one another. I can see how, um, and I look at even Christian preacher friends of mine, how uh, politics and all those things started to have the preeminence. And not Christ. Where relationship is now based on what a person's political view is. Or what a person's view is about vaccination. Or all those kind of things. We cannot let that have the preeminence. The preeminence is the resurrected Christ. It is sad for me to think that I could boldly speak to different preachers about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But now, it is not, yeah you speak but there's like an elephant in the room and that is, what do you think about Trump or what do you think about the vaccine or what do you, there's an elephant in the room having preeminence no the, nothing can separate us from the love of God that which shapes and forms our lives is the resurrected Jesus it is who he is he is the authority he is the life he is the one that brings all life and let us in our own lives, as you are going through difficult time, I'm thinking of specific people here um, that is here that struggle with their health, struggle a lot with their health. I want to say to you that, yes, we would want that miracle to take place, and we believe that. But as long as what that miracle doesn't take place, I want to say to you that it doesn't have preeminence over Christ. He's the final word. It might be, and I, I put it on Facebook, somebody sent me this quote. We are not as sure, we, 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 we might, we, I don't know exact words, but we are more sure that we will be raised from the dead as what we are, that we will wake up tomorrow. I'm not very sure. If I will be here, I'm not 100% sure that I will bodily be alive in five hours from now. I'm not 100% sure. There's a possibility that I can die. But I want to tell you, the surety in my heart that I will be raised from the dead is 100%. I've got no doubt about that. To the point that it removes fear for death. 
And I want to say to you that the, 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 the last word, the final word about your life is Jesus. Look at the resurrected Christ. He's got, he's got the preeminence. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from what he has promised you. Nothing can stop that in your life. He is yours and it's free. It's a gift and it is by grace. Amen. You're so deeply loved. You're so cared for. He's dreamt you from before the world began. He has, he, he had everything. He, he said from the beginning, I've got one man in mind, Jesus the Christ, and I will raise him from the dead. I'll give him the preeminence. And through that man who cannot fail, I will make sure that you are blessed and have life. And that is how it is. As we believe upon this, we find it shape our lives and we rest accordingly. Let us believe and walk in the peace of God. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you that I can pray for everybody. I thank you that I can pray for people that are going through very difficult times. People that are in our Zoom meeting right now that are going through very, very, very difficult times. I thank you, Lord, that your power of your resurrection has got the preeminence. The, the seal of the Spirit on them is greater than the disqualification of this world. The fears in the heart is less than the power of the resurrection. You have the preeminence. You are greater than the fears in their heart. You are greater than the dif most difficult times. And they, they, those times cannot separate you from their love. Or the love that you have for them. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that I can see, even in the lives of people going through difficult times, a love for you. A love for people. A kindness, even in the midst of difficult times. And as I see that, I see the rulership of Christ. The preeminence that you have. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, also for your healing power. I thank you, Father, that as your word says, go and heal the sick. We come and we pray. And we thank you for healing taking place over people right now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your rulership, signs, wonders and miracles that takes place in people's lives. We glorify you, Lord. Amen and amen. And I think I preached very long today, but I enjoyed the message. Thank you that I could serve you with the good news of Jesus. Know that he is Lord. Know that he rules over you and that that means that there's nothing that can separate you from God's love manifesting in your life. We will then talk again next week. God bless. For those of you that are still online that want to join in the group, uh, you are more than welcome just to remain online and uh, we will divide you into small groups via Zoom and you can fellowship and pray for one another, minister to one another in those groups.